for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hi again. Welcome to Friday. Just seems like it was Friday like yesterday. Um, I guess it's getting old. Uh, I am Don McDonald. So glad that you could join me here for this uh, podcast, this get together where I try really hard to answer your questions about money. And uh, sometimes they're easy and sometimes they're really hard. But I want to try and answer them all at uh, TalkingRealMoney.com. You just go there, click on the contact form, click the little button there that has a mic, and then get a good mic for your computer and speak it in. You don't have to have a good mic. It works really well on phones, too. I mean, I know the iPhone has a great microphone built into it now, so uh, you can even do it there. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com on your iPhone or your Android or whatever you have. Uh, so uh, we, we're doing questions. Got a bunch of them. And that means I'm going to get started right now with, well, this is a harder one. <laughs> Hi, Tom and Don. This is Dan in Minnesota calling. And the question I have for you is on a variable annuity. And I know you always talk about not liking annuities. And I came across a product by Lincoln. And I want you to tell me why it's a bad idea. Um, the product will have an accumulation phase where there's a guaranteed step up in in, in the amount, and uh, then the, the amount is invested, and you get the higher of the two. Um, when you would uh, go to take payments from that, there's a certain amount that uh, you're getting paid for life or joint life, and tell me why it's a bad idea. Thanks much. Bye. Well, one of the problems is I don't know which annuity this is. So doing research is really, really hard. Now, I did some looking. I found an equitable annuity that sounds just like this, but yours is not equitable. Yours is Lincoln. Um, I did find something that I think is close. I think it may be it. I'm not sure. The one I'm looking at is a variable indexed annuity. Oh, thank you, insurance industry, for taking two confusing things and merging them into each other to baffle your potential clients with more of your massively complex BS. And that's exactly, sir, what this is. This is a, a another stellar attempt by an insurance company to baffle you with BS. I challenge you to read the prospectus and come back thinking, oh, wow, this is a good investment. Honestly, uh, if this is the one I think it is uh it only has a you know like 60 page prospectus it's not horrid it's not horrid but in looking through the prospectus for this one and this is one that has a variable account and some sort of a guaranteed account uh and that sounds kind of like what you have and any annuity can be annuitized at retirement and provide you with a retirement income couple of things one let's start with the most obvious the tax deferred benefit which is really the only benefit of an annuity. That's it. The tax deferral. Now, if the money you're thinking about putting into this tax deferred annuity is coming out of a tax deferred account, then that negates that advantage because you can't have double tax deferral. So never, and I want to emphasize the word again, never should an annuity be purchased in a 401k, 403b, IRA, Roth, any of those vehicles ever. Why? Because you're going to pay extra expenses for a benefit that you don't get. you got to pay all these insurance expenses and the like. And in this one, I see they're about 
eight-tenths of 1%, plus the expenses for the fund, which can run as high as 1.2%. For the guaranteed account, they even have a rider that's uh, like about a half a percent. There are surrender charges. There is massive complexity. When you read the disclaimers, the disclaimers, just they're, they're filled with language that should make you very fearful. You know, they say things in their prospectuses that these are that you are they're at risk of loss. Why would they say that in the prospectus if there was no risk of loss? Because there is risk of loss. There is no protection other than the insurance company basically promising you. And uh, you have to you really need to read that fine print. It's there for a reason. The sales pitch is all garbage. It is 100 percent. Well, not 100 percent. It's like. I don't know, a high percentage of only the positive. They talk only about the positive. They sell the sizzle. That steak really is tough and 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 gristly and has all kinds of problems built into it. So, one, we don't like it. Two, we don't like any of the annuity products for retirement investing generally. We're not thrilled. They might, the only time an annuity might make sense is when someone needs a certain income in retirement and they buy with the money they've invested elsewhere an immediate annuity. And there's one other thing we should always consider with this, the too-good-to-be-true argument. When they make these glowing promises in their pitch, and again, it's the prospectus that you always have to fall back on, they don't make any sense because they always sound too good to be true. The, 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 the gist of all this is, well, you can make what the market makes and you're never going to take any risk. You're always going to make money. How can that be? It's illogical. If an investment existed where you could make the returns of the stock market or something really close to it with absolutely no risk, none whatsoever, liquidity, low fees, all of that. What If such a thing existed, everybody would buy it. Annuities are just complex investments designed to pull wool over investors' eyes most of the time because they are sold, not bought, and people are trying to Make a big commission off of you. And I guarantee you, no matter what the person you talk to says, there's a big commission in here. I'd, I'd run. I'd stay clear. But, you know, these people are so good at what they do. It's like beating our head against a wall. I mean, really, we are swimming against a massive, massive current trying to uh, to fight off these things. But read the prospectus carefully before you invest, which I know most of you won't do questions comments whatever go to talkingrealmoney.com on the contact form and leave them like this comment hello don and tom um this is not a question it's more of a comment in, in one of your recent shows you talked about the uh, annuities the 403b programs and uh, and how they don't necessarily work for the investor one thing that i haven't heard you mention you, you may know this but uh, a lot of times when people have a 403B and they retire, um, they're not allowed to roll that 403B over into a, a personal IRA. 
because the, the, the system that they're in, the, the school system, the, the hospital, the nonprofit, uh, requires them to keep that 403B account open in order to receive health care um, when, when they retire. So this is just another example of a handcuff that these 403 programs have on. Uh, enjoy the enjoy the show. Thanks. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't I don't think it happens a lot, but because most of the time when somebody leaves, they're no they're leaving. They're leaving for a, a, a permanent reason. They're not sticking around for the uh, the school districts or the hospital's insurance. Are they going on to Medicare uh, or to another private plan with a new employer? So this is kind of a rare thing. But still, even then, I there are hopefully, you know, most of the time when I, we look up 403s and we look them up through 403BYs a lot, um, we find that there are alternatives that don't involve an annuity. So you may have to keep it for whatever reason, but you should talk with the employer about better options, mutual fund options that don't involve an annuity that, as mentioned in the previous call, provides you no additional tax-deferred benefit in an already tax-deferred plan. I think looking for other options it would be the correct answer in your scenario. Find a mutual fund instead of the annuity. Even if it's a loaded mutual fund, it probably would be better long term. But anyway, thank you for the comment. I appreciate it. Again, all of our questions on this edition of Talking Real Money come through TalkingRealMoney.com. Hi, Don and Tom. This is Jeff in South Carolina. I love the podcast and never miss an episode. Someone on a recent episode talked about their 403B at CoreBridge. I can attest that this company is not a good one to work with, and their fees are very high and very well hidden. Here's a recap of my situation. My school district had a very bad 403B set of choices. So I worked with our school board chairperson to get Fidelity and Vanguard added to the vendor list. Now I'm trying to educate my colleagues about the differences between the plans in hopes of saving them on the aforementioned well-hidden fees associated with all the insurance companies on our list. As I said, I was successful in getting Vanguard and Fidelity added, and I am now happily contributing to a Fidelity 403B. I was able to transfer an old American funds account to Fidelity, but CoreBridge has blocked my attempt five times now. Five times. The only way to get the forms is to call their customer service number and request the forms. They send the forms two to three weeks later. I fill them out according to their directions, and I return them in a day. Then two to three weeks after that, I receive an email stating that they were unable to complete the transfer. We've done this little dance five times now. Is there anything I can do? I would like to complain to the regulating authority but I'm not even sure who regulates them. Is it the SEC? Is it FINRA? Is it state insurance regulators? And if it's insurance regulators, do I file a complaint in South Carolina where I live or Texas where they are based? I've wasted many hours of time and energy on this and I just can't seem to let it go. Can you please help with this? Oh, an even bigger question. How do we fix this system? How do we get these vultures out of our 403B system and out of our schools? Oh my gosh, Jeff, you've given me so much this is the uh, 403b episode or the insurance company episode <laughs> i'm gonna have to make the a new uh, a new uh, piece of artwork for this one because it's all insurance and 403bs all the time all right let me start this is this is jeff if you tell your fellow employees to listen to talking real money uh i want to tell all of jeff's co-workers jeff is right 
Jeff has saved you from outlandish fees from vultures. He's right. They're vultures. They sit in your school and they give you lessons on how to invest with them in their expensive horrible annuities for 403b employees because of reasons i've already mentioned so now to your questions i love it when custodians drag their feet they do this all the time and i don't love it i'm being facetious this is horrific my wife ran into the same thing with the 401k they did not want to let go of that money because they're making so much money off the money they're doing they'll do almost anything they can legally to keep you from getting at it now what i would do my first course of action would be to ask fidelity to bring it over to ask them for help if they can't do it then you should go to well couple of places one you should probably go to your school board i would go to a school board meeting and say i we need you to i need you to step in for me they won't let me move the money i think that your school board might get ticked off enough that maybe they would drop them helping in the problem two instance but the uh the the final thing if you're dealing with annuities well, if you're de- okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> the annuity part would be the state insurance commissioner. The issue, though, the problem would be regulated by the U.S. Department of Labor, and that's who I would turn to. I would write up a very, very detailed letter on paper, and I would email it to the company. All right, mail it to the Department of Labor and to the company certified so that you know both get it. CCing the company, putting them on notice that you have complained to the U.S. Department of Labor. And see if that doesn't get them to stop dragging their feet. Now, to your final bigger question. You're going to get me in trouble, okay? I get... The, the worst reviews that we get on Apple Podcasts always slam me because I tend to get a little outraged. Okay, I tend to get a lot outraged at the industry, and people in the industry don't like it when I do that, and so they slam me in their reviews. Tom, Tom doesn't get passionate about this stuff at all. <laughs> He's much more level than I am. So you're going to get me in trouble. Because there are a lot of people who, for some reason, don't believe that the government can help us in any way, shape, manner, or form. But I don't know who else can. What has to happen is, and it almost happened, almost, and then some courts threw it out. There has to be something passed by Congress, <laughs> good luck getting anything passed by Congress, uh, to allow the Department of Labor's rule that they keep trying to push through that would require every single person who provided advice and products in any kind of retirement plan, including 403Bs, to act as fiduciaries at all times. And that rule, this was the big concern of the insurance industry back when they proposed this rule years ago and it got get, got kicked down. Uh, the, the, their concern was they would no longer be able to sell annuities inside retirement plans. That is a huge fear because it would mean they would lose billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. 
So it all comes down to the insurance company's clout, and their clout is massive. They make huge political contributions. So I hope you can read between the lines and see what the problem, the, the, the solution is. Nobody's going to like it, but it really comes down to we got to do something to reform campaign contributions. We've got to have some regulation over what employers can do with your money and allow to be done with your money. So thanks, Jeff. I really wish you well. And congratulations on standing up for your fellow employees. Really, you did them a massive service. Congrats. Let's see. <laughs> Let's go to another one. And maybe it's about 403Ps too, because I don't know. I haven't listened yet. Hey, Tom and Don, uh, Mike calling from Monument, Colorado. And I've got an HSA question, which hopefully you can answer. Um, my wife has an HSA plan and her enrollment period is mid-year. So she enrolled to the HSA plan um, from her traditional plan July of this year. We made the full contribution, not prorated, uh, um, the full amount for 2023. And it turns out we're going to cancel this HSA plan July of next year. So my question is, I've read all the information on this last month rule, and it states that you, you can prorate. So I could have paid six months, half of the full contribution this year, or the exception is the uh, last month rule. And it states something to the effect that if you have an HSA policy in place December of, of the current year and you keep it to December 31st of the following year for 12 calendar months, you're allowed full contributions for each year. So for 2023 and 2024. My question pertains to since she's a mid-year enrollment. So she's going to have HSA July through this year. And again, we made the full contribution. And then she will not have it to the end of next year, but we sh she will have it for 12 months. Um, the plan will end July of 2024. And I was planning on putting the full contribution in for 2024, but I'm a little confused on this last month rule having December 1st as a date. Um, is it? Do I have to have it in place then, or is it just 12 calendar months and I'm allowed to put full contributions for each year. Hopefully that makes sense. Love your show as always. Have a great day. Oh, good. It's about HSAs. Something different. Um, okay. The, the, the last month rule. <laughs> and I don't know why that, because it's okay. The last month rule says what you, you said it says. If you're in a, uh, the, uh, the HSA as of December 1st, you can contribute for the next year, for the next 12-month period, anytime in the next year. So it, if you are a member, you're enrolled in it December 1, 2023, and you have a health plan, you can contribute the full amount for 2024, and you can do that up until, I believe, April 15th um, of the... I'm not sure on this part. I, I read somewhere 20 of the following year, so that sounds a little weird. Um, so, yeah, but you you can contribute for the whole year. You can also just prorate 
your contribution until you know whenever if you want half a year uh, half of the amount but no it the rule says you can go ahead and do it for the whole year now again we're in the realm of irs rules and tax law which can all be very very muddy but that is my understanding of it so i think you can make the full year i'm pretty confident you can make the full year contribution thank you for the call and the nice comments now let's call okay thank you for talking on your computer or your phone now let's do another one shall we i think we should great show gentlemen i've been listening for a couple weeks now after hearing one of you speak on the stacking benjamin show my name is brett i'm trying to figure out the best way to organize my asset allocation for the following accounts i have a roth ira at vanguard a former employer Roth IRA, a rollover IRA from a former employer, a 403B, and an HSA. I would like to create a three-fund simple portfolio using Vanguard ETFs, such as the Total Stock Market ETF, Vanguard Total International Stock Market ETF, and also the Total Bond Market ETF. I am 39 years old. What percentages would you recommend for somebody like myself? And where should I put the bonds? Which account would be best? Or should I just use VTI, the total stock market ETF, and let it ride? Thank you. Well, Brett, thanks for listening. I think that was probably me you heard on Stacking Benjamins. Um, Love those guys. Joe Salcihai is just great. He's a wonderful guy. Um, your portfolio. You got a lot of different accounts, but you don't have to do anything fancy here. This this should be relatively easy because everything you have is tax deferred. So, you know, there are or tax free. So, they're all tax advantaged accounts. So, we don't really have to worry as much about placement as we would if you had a taxable account where I would suggest you put your more growth oriented vehicles there uh, because you're using ETFs and they have tax advantages. You are in the, the realm of really simple. You could just do an even allocation across all of your various accounts. Now, I would make a suggestion well, two suggestions. One, you're 39 years old, so you probably have a relatively volatile risk profile. It means you should be able to accept volatility, but just because you're 39 doesn't mean you necessarily can. So I would encourage you to go to TalkingRealMoney.com, take that free, no obligation, no one's going to pester you risk quiz, truly. It's free. It's really free. Just go take that and find out what your risk tolerance score is. My guess is you'll probably come out pretty high given your age and the fact that you listen to money-oriented programming. That would mean if you have a very high risk tolerance, I would not use the Vanguard total us vti or the international or necessarily bnd and if i did use bnd it would be for a teeny tiny percentage instead my two to three fund portfolio would be vt just vt the vanguard total stock index it's the whole world so it gets you those international stocks that have recently done really badly 
That's just when you want them. Uh, and then add to that, because you have the time, the asset class that over decades has done better than just growth because it's riskier. It's not just better than the, than the, uh, the, the S&P 500, I should say. Has in the past, long time, no guarantee of the future. And that is VBR, the Vanguard Small Value Index. Just a little. Uh, I, if it was mine, I'd probably go 80 VT, 20 VBR, 39 years old. Uh, maybe 70, 30 at the max. You don't want to put a lot in small cap value because it can be very scary looking. And then don't look at each fund separately. Just look at the total portfolio and what it does over decades to come. Um, but that's what I would do. And I think that's probably the way you're going to get to the most comfortable and well-funded retirement. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, Brett. I really, truly do appreciate it. And uh, that, yeah, look at that. Got a lot of questions in. Funny that uh, Brett had a 403B and an HSA sort of tying the whole theme together, didn't he? So <laughs> we do talk a lot about retirement because, well, why do we talk about retirement? Why do you think we talk about retirement? Because it's the biggest expense you're ever going to have in your life should you live past 65 or 70. It's expensive. Because it's everything all jammed together into one big expense, and you're not likely to have a lot of income for it if you don't plan properly. So got to have a plan. Uh, if you need a little help putting a plan together, we will help you do that for nothing at our firm, Appella Wealth. I know doesn't sound real but it is because well a couple of reasons one everybody everybody whether they're a client of ours or not and not everybody can be a client of ours really does deserve some help some straight talk about their money about the confusing portfolios what should go where why it should do this why you should do this why you should avoid that all of those things and so if you want to talk to one of our advisors it's really easy. You just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on Meet an Advisor and set up an appointment with somebody. Now, we will not manage your money for free, okay? I think you know that. As I've said before, that is a terrible business model. But we will help for free because it's, well, it's both good for you and it's good for us. So thanks for being there. Uh, if you like what you hear, Please leave a nice review at Apple Podcasts. If you don't like what you hear, if you truly, I, this is what I don't get. People leave a terrible review. I think it's to be vindictive. But if you really don't like it, don't listen. Seriously. If you love crypto, don't listen. If you love annuities, don't listen. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's almost all I'm saying. I also, I forgot. Um, if you want to talk to us, like Tom and me, uh, do it on Saturday. This is Friday, so tomorrow would be Saturday. Our phone number is 855-935-TALK. It's T-A-L-K-8255. And you can call us every single Saturday from 3 until 5 on the East Coast, noon until 2 on the West Coast, some other time in the middle. And uh, it's really easy. Just call 855-935-TALK 
And uh, you might have to hold for a little while if we're talking about something different, but we'll put you in line and then we can have a conversation for a couple minutes. It's nice. We appreciate you doing it. Now, I will bring this to a conclusion. Thanks for being there again. I'm Don McDonald, often talking real money. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by a Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital, LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. I think I need a nap.